the following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 61, The Next Level. Mercifully, the Lord had granted her a measure of his approval for all she had done in his name. Len was blind, but she had served him in her blindness, for this he had done to her in order to test her faith. She had obeyed in the way he had required, and for her loyalty, he had sent to her a teacher, one who had shown Len the power to heal with only a touch. Even now, her Lord's grace moved through her body, and the feeling was ecstatic. Oh, she would serve him forever. She never wanted to lose this feeling that he was giving her. The feeling of his touch, his love, of his power inside her, of his righteous glory. Len had exiled the Mainir, and she was being rewarded for her faith. She shuddered. Oh. His power was rising in her again, stronger than before, filling her deeply. She welcomed it within, and she closed her eyes, and she breathed hard, and she smiled. There was a hand then on her shoulder, and Len knew that it was Celeste. Len blushed. The priestess knew. She knew the power that was now moving deep inside Len, and Len took her hand, and she squeezed it, and she continued to breathe, and to smile, and she quietly praised Alleluia to her Lord for his strength and for his presence, which was being given unto her, and she walked on on unsteady legs now, through the hall. Then, there was a sudden rush within her, and Len almost couldn't talk anymore. As it came up deep inside, there was a force like a fountain, shooting energy, gushing, bursting, and she could feel it throughout her body, and it was so strong that she had to stop for a moment she propped herself by one arm against the wall, eyes closed in praise, as the power came over her again and again in waves. She gave thanks, whimpering, smiling, calling the name of her Lord. Some of the others were concerned for Len, especially the men who did not know what they were seeing. They 
wondered at first if there was some dark madness upon her, and there was fear in their eyes for her, for Len would not talk to them, and her eyes were vacant now, as she moved rhythmically with the energy inside her, moaning and praising the Lord and eliciting sometimes sudden gasps of pleasure under the torchlight as they looked upon her. But Celeste reassured them, and the Uname did so too, expressing to them that Len's power was growing, and that it was a benevolent miracle, a holy sign from the one that she called God. A moment later she was on her feet again, and she quietly thanked those who had been concerned for her, though she said little more at that time, choosing instead to hold fast to her cross, which she kept close to her breast, and for which she gave all the gratitude of her heart. God has been delivered upon her, and so her ascension to level 3 is complete. I've taken great pleasure in having all of you along to join in the Iron Realm, Dark Fantasy, Mega Dungeon RPG campaign, but I am pleased now one episode at a time to share with you all that you need for running your own solitaire campaign in the Iron Realm. At this point, you have all you need for assembling your own character tribe and perhaps the tribe tracker that I have given you is at last complete. But before you can play, there are still just a few things I will need to teach you. And one of these tonight shall be presented. The method for creating your own spells to be used by the wizards and elves of your character tribe. The spells you create can be written on index cards. And this is one convenient way for you to exert your power as Maze Master of your own world. But just in case you find it useful, I'll be posting up a new gaming aid to the Iron Realm Extras tab upon which you can record the various spells that you're making available to the characters in your game. More on spell creation on tonight's Iron Realm, as well as the consequences the group faces for charging in against the giant geckos, each with more attacks and more life points than even a third level character. 
what fate will fall upon them. Stay tuned, traveler. Tonight's episode is about to begin. <laughs> ironrealm.com or theironrealm.blogspot.com The Iron Realm Podcast Copyright A.B. Lenzo And I, your Maze Master Recognize with honor All ye contributors to tonight's show Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com Ashley Eddy of freesound.org Secrets of the Maze Master Maze Master Maze Master During chapter 22, all the details needed were given regarding spellcraft for elves or wizards. And indeed, when running your own game, you can make use of the spells as discussed on the Iron Realm podcast for your own game. But this is only the beginning. The surface is only barely brushed. And you, as Maze Master, are encouraged to create your own spells that can be used within your own game. The details of how each spell in your world works is up to you. But I'll discuss with you some of the basics tonight. So it's often helpful as Maze Master to first design a list of spells for each spell level, and so for wizards upon the podcast, this is the list of the spells so far revealed on the show at spell level 1. Aura Against Evil, Door Denial, Hovering Disc, Illumination, Invisible Shield, Language Lore, Mind Charm Lesser, Mystic Missile, Reader of Magic, Sea Magic, Sleep Curse, Ventriloquist, and Ignite. As a guideline, nearly always a spell requires the wizard to have a line of sight to his or her target. Further, spells of spell level 1 should in general not cause a great deal of harm, perhaps one die of damage or less. Oftentimes also, it is appropriate for a spell of spell level 1 to have some practical effect. For example, the spell of illumination is the equivalent of having a lantern, while language lore allows the wizard to read any language encountered, and reader of magic allows the wizard to read any spell scrolls or spell books found, irregardless of the source. Perhaps for each spell you design, you may create an index card that provides the details of each spell. Always keep in mind the following for any 
spell. First, a spell should have a range, and the wizard must be inside this range when casting the spell. Some spells require a touch from the wizard in order to hit the target, whilst others may require the wizard to be up close, while yet other spells may work farther away, and some that affect the wizard directly are said to have a range of zero. Usually the range of a spell is given in feet, and a spell can be cast anywhere within that range, perhaps 120 feet, 150 feet, or more. In the close confines of a dungeon setting, a long range is rarely needed, but it is still important for you as the Maze Master to note it. Beyond a spell's range, also note the spell's duration, how long it lasts after it is cast by the wizard. Combat spells tend to last only a few rounds, and usually finish when the combat is done. On the other hand, some practical spells could last much longer. For example, Aura Against Evil lasts a full hour, while Illumination not only lasts one hour, but also an additional ten minutes for every character level the wizard possesses. Last, while considering your spell, detail the effect. Does it affect one creature? Does it affect everything within a 30-foot diameter? Or something else? Give all the details about the occurrence that transpires when the spell hits. And finally, note whether the target gets a saving throw. The most common saving throw against spells would be Type 5, but you as the Maze Master should offer a different type when you feel it's appropriate. Note it all down as a part of the spell description. Again, for the spells you create in your game, you will get your inspiration from many sources. Create a list of spells at spell level 1 for wizards, and then, should a spell scroll be ever found by your group, you may determine what is upon it at random by comparing it to the spell list that you have created. In closing, I'll give some descriptions for spells that exist within the Iron Realm, and you may learn from this and make use of it in the creation of your own spells. An example, Mystic Missile, Spell Level 1, for Wizards and Elves, Range, Line of Sight, Effect, creates one or more glowing missiles that are shot instantly as per the spellcaster's instruction. Casting Mystic Missile causes glowing arrows to appear hovering beside the wizard or the elf. They are shot by magic, and each arrow deals between two and seven life points of damage to any creature it strikes. Mystic Missile automatically hits and gives no saving throw. Lower level wizards only get one missile per casting of the spell, yet for every five character levels that the caster possesses, more Mystic Missiles are created at the time the spell is cast. 
Therefore, a 6th level wizard could create two missiles, while an 11th level caster could create three missiles, and so on. When more than one missile is created, they may be shot at different targets at the caster's discretion. Invisible shield, range zero, duration 20 minutes. Effect, an invisible barrier all around the caster, but close to the caster's body. With invisible shield in effect, the wizard or elf gets an armor value of two against missiles and an armor value of four against all other attacks. And the protection from this spell cannot be combined with other kinds of defense. If the recipient of the invisible shield is ever shot by a mystic missile, in this case, the shielded wizard or elf is allowed a saving throw of type 5 against the mystic missile and upon success has blocked the shot and suffers no life points of damage at all. Of course, if the save is failed, the mystic missile will resolve as normal. And so you have two examples of spells that exist within the Iron Realm. Use your own inspiration to create more and add them to your own unique universe. As time goes on, you will surely create lists for spells of spell level 2, spell level 3, and higher. So in all cases, take your cues from the show as to the appropriate amount of power for each spell. In time, the characters of your tribe, and yes, their enemies too, will have dozens or even hundreds of spells to draw from. You are the Maze Master. Breathe life into your world and make it your own. Email me your unique ideas too. Who knows, maybe the best of them will appear on future shows. If you have not yet done so, visit the Iron Realm website at theironrealm.com or theironrealm.blogspot.com and subscribe to the RSS feed and join you as well as a follower of the blog. Never miss a single offering from the realm again. And have you gotten your hands on Voices in the Void, a periodic newsletter for the Iron Realm podcast? Get the commentary and news on current and upcoming episodes from the realm. I'll see you there. <laughs> Tribal Matters. The 
group is entering room 14, maze level alpha 1, position 1331, 1633, the giant gecko chamber. There is a doorway in the southwest corner, the western wall. There's also a doorway in the upper right hand corner, the northern wall. Finally, a door in the upper left corner, on the north wall, and a door at the center of the eastern wall. At position 1532, there is a bust on a pedestal, and it is facing west. It has been made in the image of a beast man. As the group peers into the room, using their light, they notice the room is full of giant geckos, and fallen upon the floor are the crumpled bodies of their victims. Oh my god, says Solus. They're being eaten alive. Hurry, let's go. And he raises his sword and charges in, leading in the others behind him. There is a gecko at position 1333, also one at 1417 and 1432. There's a gecko at 1632 and a gecko at 1633. It is 10.20 a.m. when the group charges in, and the day is Primaris 25. The group has no deprivation penalties, and those who have taken wounds are as follows. Solus, 10 out of 16. Stockholm, 14 out of 20. Bardar, 12 out of 14. The light is lit as they charge in, and the following spells are available. Kailana, Illumination, and Mystic Missile, Amazar, Ignite, and Door Denial, Orson, Ventriloquist, Len, Hands of Healing, and Nora possesses a laying on of hands effect through her horn. It looks like Solus and Stockholm will be into the room first, but before we get to it, let's have a surprise roll. I'm going to say the tribe of Solus won't be surprised, for they were forewarned by Stockholm's knowledge and the prior mapping of the area by the vanguard. As for the giant geckos, five foot long, colored pale blue, and speckled with brown-orange spots. Let's have a roll. Not surprised. On to the initiative. The tribe of Solus. A five, and the geckos, a three. Solus and his others get the jump on them and run into the room. Let's see how many I can pack into this chamber. Solus is only going to be able to move three squares because he only gets 30 feet per round. So I'm putting Solus as far in as I can against the gecko at 14.31. Versus armor value 5, he swings, and the blow is landed on a 17. The sword once owned by Joan of Arc cleaves down, and Solus gets a bonus of 3 to the damage. A 1. Even so, the total is 4, and the giant geckos have taken their first wound. 
Stockholm runs past the gecko at the entryway, and I will leave him at position 1632. He's gonna need a 14. And he swings with the axe. Oh. A 10. It's no good. The creature saw him coming and dodges deftly. Here comes Temek. I'm going to put him at position 1331. He's going to take a shot on the giant lizard that Solus is attacking. As a halfling, he only needs a 13. A 2. He fails. After Temek is Nim. And she goes to Solus's side as well. She's not so good in melee. She needs a 15. A 9. She swings with her hammer and swings, but she cannot connect. I'll put Amazar into the room next. And he moves in against the gecko at 1432. He casts his spell, Ignite, and he moves in to position 1432 with both hands burning. He reaches for the gecko and tries to sear its scaly flesh. He needs a 13, a 6. The wizard comes up short. Lilena stays in the hall, for she is quite blind, but Paola dodges past her to run in and help Amazar. She swings with her sword. An eight, she fails. This is not looking good for the group so far. Giant geckos are immensely powerful, and if the group cannot fell at least one, they're sure to take losses when the geckos counterattack. After Paola is Twyla, and let's say Twyla runs in beside her. With her hammer, she needs a 14. A 10! Another failure! Next is Kana, and she is so far back into the hall. When the route begins, she's not going to be able to get very far in. I'm going to send her to help her sister Paola. She should be able to reach position 1532 and attack from there. The die roll. A nat 20! And powers know she needs it. Let's give her a swing with the sword. An 8. Doubled to a 16. The gecko is slain. Celeste is next, and this woman has a strength of 16. Let's send her in. Stockholm seems vulnerable. I'd like to send her in to help him. But she's only got a six square move. Let's see, can she make it? I'm going to say that she can, only just, and I'll place her at position 1633. Let's see her roll. A three. She swings her warhammer, but that's just not enough at all. Looks like Kailana is next, and she's got plenty of movement. So I'm putting her in the corner, next to Tamek. She summons her mystic missile to help Solus and Nim, and the shot fires unerringly, striking the gecko. Let's see how much damage. Four points. The giant gecko is wounded, howling in pain. Iona runs in to help Solus and Nim. A swing with her sword. Not 20! An 8, double to a 16. The triplet sisters are owning this fight. The gecko is slain. Meanwhile, Orson rallies the dwarves in defense of Lilena. 
and moves to hit the gecko that is coming at them through the door. Some dice for Orson, Thora, Brevik, and Marks. The dwarves whiff wildly with their cutlasses, but Orson doesn't disappoint with an 18. He's swinging his sword and giving his battle cry, and he cuts at the creature and deals a point of damage. From within the hallway, Bardar moves in too, but wearing his full plate armor, he cannot reach the battle. Len stays beside the small captain too, readying her magic in case any of her number fall. It's over to the geckos, and it's time for a bravery check now. One has been forced since they have taken their first two casualties. With a bravery of seven, a high number will send them packing. A six and a two, it's an eight! The geckos turn their scaly tails and run, exiting with great speed through the doorway in the northeastern corner. 250 level points for the giant geckos. The group has been fortunate, having taken no wounds at all in what could have been a deadly battle. Their numbers have served them well, but they soon see that those victims that originally drew them into the room are actually beastmen dead for days, and there was never any way that they could have been saved. You have been listening to The Iron Realm. If you would like to show your appreciation and support new episodes of The Iron Realm, visit patreon.com slash theironrealm and be you rewarded. You can also give a gift at drivethroughrpg.com using pay what you want or by taking a share of premium soft cover books ebooks, and gaming aids for your Iron Realm collection. And don't forget to leave your five-star reviews at iTunes at drivethroughrpg.com and beyond. Finally, tell your friends and spread the word about the world's first play-by-podcast RPG audio drama. Do what you can to ensure the continuance of the realm, your fellow travelers, and your maze master, thank you. From the eternal depths of the Iron Realm. I have been your maze master, Abel Enzo. Remember, play hard or go home. Iron Realm! Good night, everyone.